Tomorrow is Palm Sunday, which is always a bit of a confusing day. In this episode, I try to make a little sense of it. Hello friends, it's good to be with you as always. Thank you for taking a little time to be with me today. Uh, This episode is airing on Saturday, March 27th. Uh, That means that tomorrow, Sunday, March 28th, is Palm Sunday, which is the start of Holy Week. And Palm Sunday for me has always been a a very confusing Sunday, if if I'm honest. Uh, We begin the service very famously with, you know, holding palms up and shouting Hosanna um, and declaring Jesus is the Lord. And by the end of that service, uh, we're already sort of directing our attention to the events of Good Friday when he will be killed. And the question I think appropriately or understandably arises, what happened? How does this very uh, incredibly popular figure of Jesus, who's supported clearly by all kinds of people in Jerusalem, how do, how do they turn against him, is one question maybe, and why does he end up, uh, end up being killed? So I'm not going to obviously go into all of that today, but I want to lift up just a few broad points that may help us understand uh, a little bit of what was going on and uh, explain that shift that happens on Palm Sunday. And, and one of the most important things we have to remember is that uh, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, he's coming for that procession during what we would call Palm Sunday. He's entering the city uh, around the time that the festival of Passover is about to begin. Why is that important? It's important because that means that the city of Jerusalem is going to swell with all kinds of pilgrims from around the area, and there are going to be lots and lots of people there. And historically, uh, those kind of moments when there are lots of people in Jerusalem, maybe particularly at Passover, were times when there were insurrections, when there were riots, and people like Pilate, who represented Rome, and uh, the high priest Caiaphas, who was really under the thumb of Pilate, they were anxious, understandably, I think you can say, to protect the peace, to avoid those kind of insurrections, to avoid those kind of riots so that they could protect themselves. They didn't get in trouble with Rome or that Caiaphas didn't get in trouble with Pilate. And so Jesus is doing things throughout this week, beginning with this procession on Palm Sunday, by the way, to sort of poke them and prod them a little bit. Palm Sunday, the procession is actually very much uh, an attack symbolically against the armies of Rome. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem from the east gate while Pilate is bringing up extra um, army regiments from Caesarea to protect the peace. And so Jesus is saying, I come in peace. Look at these folks from Rome. They're coming not in peace, but in might. And I'm challenging that. That's one of the things that happens. The other thing that happens very quickly after that uh, in the narrative is that Jesus upsets the uh, the money changers in the temple. The temple, of course, is the center of life for Jews everywhere. It's also an important point symbolically for Rome. And so when he does that, he's really playing with fire. And we know that all the leaders in Jerusalem, again, the Roman leaders, the high priests, and so forth, they're anxious to try to stop Jesus 
but he is surrounded by so many people that they are afraid to try to arrest him. And we're even told in one place, for example, Mark 14, verses 1 and 2, they say, let's not arrest him during the festival uh, or there may be a riot among the people. And again, they want to avoid that at all costs. But then they discover, probably with the help of Judas, where they can arrest Jesus quietly, which they do, and then they try him very quickly and end up, of course, crucifying him again very, very quickly to avoid the crowds. And if you're wondering, by the way, well, why are there people shouting for Jesus not to be freed, but instead this Barabbas to be freed? Why are there these big crowds which a few days earlier were uh, saying, Jesus, we love you? Uh, It's different people, and it's a much smaller crowd before the trial uh, at Pilate. I will tell you, uh, again, this just gives you a little bit of a hint of some of the motivations going on, uh, the dynamics of the city. You think about Jesus' own followers and the complicated uh, dynamics and motivations going on with them. People like Judas, who I think you can read sympathetically, that's maybe a topic for another episode, but he ends up, for reasons which can be understood, ends up uh, turning Jesus over to Rome. Uh, And then you have people like Peter, right? The most important disciple of all who claims, I'm not going to ever betray you, Jesus. And then, of course, he does not once or twice, but three times. All of those motivations, in my mind, uh, are recounted beautifully in a book I've mentioned before, The Man Born to be King by Dorothy Sayers. Uh, I've said this before as well. C.S. Lewis, every Lent, read this entire uh, book. It's a series of 12 short plays, and it gets behind again the motivations of all of the actors at the time in a way that helps us in the 21st century, I think, to understand a bit about uh, what they're doing and why they're doing it. So that's a little bit of history uh, about what actually happened. But I also want to just say a quick word on the personal side. You know, we we come on Palm Sunday or we we participate virtually this year, I guess, and we think, again, as I started this episode, thinking, I don't understand this. How does it get so dark so quickly? And again, there are historical reasons for that. But at a personal level, I think each of us can also use Holy Week as an opportunity to reflect on our own hearts and ask the question, um, are we always there for God? Are we always lined up with what God wants for us? Are there times when we disappoint God? And when we start to be honest about those questions in our own lives, I think that um, dichotomy of Palm Sunday uh, becomes much more understandable because we understand that dichotomy in our own lives, in our own hearts. And I I ran across a, a beautiful it's very short, but I, call, I guess I'd call it a devotion or a reflection about Holy Week um, by a Carmelite sister, Sister Mary John. Um, and I'm just going to read it as sort of a way to reflect on how we can be thinking about the events of Holy Week, uh, which again start tomorrow. So here's what she writes. Next week is Holy Week, where the perfection of love and goodness wars against the evil in all our hearts due to sin. Next week is about those who are faithful to our Lord to the end and about those who play a role in his death. Next week is about the triumph of a God of love, a victory for both the innocent and the guilty alike. 
And then she goes on to say this. This is really important, again, to the degree we're honest, I think we each recognize uh, this both and. She says, thanks be to God, it is about both, because we are rarely either or, but both and. Innocent and guilty. God hears the confident and faith-filled prayers as well as the silent prayers of desperation. Holy Week events, she concludes, are a stark reminder that both the innocent and the guilty need to be redeemed. With you, I look forward to once again recounting this most important story in the world, and I pray that all of us can once again remember that God loves us so much that he gave his life for us. Thanks as always for being with me. Be well, stay in touch, and God bless. Mm-hmm.